This is Packer and Durham on ACCN and Sirius XM Channel 371. Cameron Masterman's going to join us coming up here in about a half an hour. He went yard in the eighth yesterday as Louisville rallied past Michigan and punched their ticket to the Super Regional. We've had baseball on the brain today. I let off the show to saying, in my opinion, that the College World Series is the NCAA's best tournament. There are some folks that disagree with that, and that's fine. You can call in and have some fun with that topic if you're in the mood at 844-SAY-ACCN. But uh, yesterday was a good day for the conference. You had two loser-leave-town matches, Louisville against Michigan in the first one, North Carolina VCU in the game last night, and uh, both ACC teams moved on. But the Louisville game was kind of crazy, wasn't it? Seven runs in the first inning. Louisville's in great shape. Michigan comes back. But Louisville, with a four spot in the eighth inning, rallies and wins 11-9 yesterday. Crazy game pack. This one had everything, uh, weather delays, controversial calls. I feel like Stefan from that weekend update SNL segment. This game had everything. It really did. You had a crazy comeback from Michigan. As you said, seven spot for Louisville early. Then the weather came. Then seven straight for Michigan to take a 9-7 lead. You get a controversial call at second base to extend the inning for the cards. And then... We saw that bomb, and uh, Louisville ends up hanging on to that 11-9 lead. But, man, we saw a lot of host teams win yesterday, and there were not many games more exciting than this one because it was absolute crazy action. You hit the nail on the head pack last segment talking about how Notre Dame's regional in Statesboro was unique in the sense that not many runs were scored. This was more like it, 20 combined runs and back-and-forth action. Yeah, given the fact that Louisville put a 20 spot on Michigan the day before to stay alive to force that game and then uh, rallied like they did. But the thing that jumps out at me, again, I've mentioned this a few times already this morning, all 11 runs scored with two out. I mean, that is key, critical baseball. And I'm sure Michigan fans will look back and go, man, we just get one out. We get out of the inning. Life's good. We go on and win this whole thing. That's baseball, man. you got to get that last out. And we saw that with ACC teams on Sunday, uh, Drew, in which, you know, conference had teams with big leads and just could not close out games. I mean, it all comes down to pitching at some point in time. you got to get the guys out. Simple as that. Yeah, go back to Sunday and think about Georgia Tech, a chance to do the unthinkable with a 4 nothing lead over the one seed in the tournament, Tennessee, who's the best team in the country on offense and defense and scoring offense and ERA. Uh, Georgia Tech, though, led by Zach Maxwell, had a chance up for zip. The reliever making the start, he was phenomenal. Uh, but you just got to close. And that's what Michigan couldn't do yesterday. We got a good call from Tommy in Louisville who, you know, yeah, I mentioned the controversial call at second base, but he's right. You got to get that last out. Even if you have to get four outs in an inning, you got to finish. Uh, they did have a chance to hang on to that lead because a run didn't score on that play at second base. Louisville had runners at second and third. All you need is one more out uh, to get out of the inning. So Michigan fans rightfully upset. There was some atrocious umpiring all weekend in the regionals. Uh, but at the end of the day, the Cardinals are moving on. And it makes you feel like with how clutch that team is, if they didn't take the lead in the eighth, they probably would have in the ninth, considering you know they're at home and they're rolling at that point. Yeah, Michigan had scored seven in a row, but we know Louisville had been swinging it well all weekend. They've got that clutch gene and really good chance to get back to Omaha, even though they have to go on the road here. 
And that's a really good series. FS the three super regional. Texas A&M, the number five national seed. Louisville, the 12th seed. We just put up on the screen. Ninth super regional appearance. Uh, Coach Mack's got a great program. And they're seemingly playing their best baseball again. That's why I like this tournament. Because you're allowed to have a bad day and it doesn't eliminate you. You know, you can you can have one of those things. You can have a day in which, guess what? The umpires get screwed you. You got host. Uh, we saw that a couple times, good and bad, with ACC teams over the weekend. But you still have the chance to go take care of business. That's why I like this tournament more than any other one, where I know you get all the pressure of the one and done, that, hey, if you don't get the job done, you're out of here. You know what? That's why I think the best teams get to Omaha. That's why I think the best team ends up winning it. And it's ironically... When you look over the number one overall seeds, and we could probably do some homework over uh, the evening and for tomorrow's show, I think it's been a long, long time since we've seen a number one overall seed win Omaha. Now, it's kind of goofy how that works, but again, that's baseball. That's why we love this thing so much. But a great win yesterday for Louisville uh, with the big lead. Lose it. Figure out a way to win that thing in the eighth inning. Uh, Flip side, later in the evening, North Carolina had to beat VCU for the second time. They beat them up the night before to set the scene. And much like Louisville, North Carolina jumped early to a four spot in the bottom of the first inning and just kind of held on in cruise control and won the game. Forbes back from the two-game suspension. But for North Carolina, Drew, they've been really, really good at home, and they proved it over the weekend. As good as anyone. I just smoking hot the last month or so 15 and two last month win the ACC tournament in Charlotte pick up where they left off pretty shocking that they did lose that game to VCU so they had to win the back-to-back Sunday and Monday to move on Uh, but this was the Carolina we've grown accustomed to in the last month mashing Vance Honeycutt was great Mikey Madej a three-run bomb yesterday in the first inning and then Carolina, just like you said, Cruz, you know, they could have rested with those four runs they scored in the first, and that turned out to be enough, but they had a couple more, and, I mean, they're just swinging the bats so well. So nobody wants to see them next round, especially a team like Arkansas, which is great, has pedigree, has talent, but didn't exactly pitch the lights out in Stillwater against Oklahoma State. I think that's fair to say. Uh, they're not the ones who gave up the 29-piece. That was Missouri State to the Pokes, but... Arkansas did allow 12 to Oklahoma State in one game. And then yesterday was another high-scoring one in that uh, pivotal Game 7 in Stillwater. So it'll be fun to watch. I mean, Carolina and Arkansas, you talk about blue bloods of baseball, those are two of them. So should be a thrill and super. Well, you start talking about the 16 teams that are still left in the NCAA baseball tournament. The SEC has five left. The ACC has four and you look at the super regional matchups coming up. We just talked about Arkansas, North Carolina. Should be fun. Louisville is going to jump on that Texas A&M. Should be fun. Notre Dame's got the number one team in the country in Tennessee. So you have three ACC-SEC super regional matchups coming up this weekend. And these have been the two best leagues in college baseball all season long. Knowing during the regular season, you saw it also during the selection of the 64 teams. And now that we've weeded this thing down to 16, and yeah, there have been some surprises. Kind of surprised that Miami's not in the Super Regional, but the, you know what? you got to go earn it. But five from the SEC, four from the ACC. These have been the two best baseball leagues, and so far it's exactly what we've seen so far in a tournament. You mentioned Miami, Pack. Uh, no homework needed here, actually. I remember this from yesterday. Uh, doing cut-ins for the NCAA tournament. Miami was actually the last one seed to win it all yep. back in 1999. 
right. which I think was the first time they did seeding. So year one, one seed wins. Two decades plus since, it hasn't happened. So maybe that's a sign of hope for Notre Dame. I mean, you're going to need it going into Knoxville. You need all the good juju you can get, which is to take nothing away from Notre Dame. They should have been hosting. Um, they shouldn't have been matched up with Tennessee in the second round. But now here they are. And I think, you know, even though they're not hosting and a couple ACC teams were, Notre Dame's got as good a chance as anyone uh, to knock off Tennessee. They've got an ace. Um, they've got experience. Should have been a top eight seed last year when they ran through the ACC. But this is one thing that is so great about the NCAA tournaments is you can see these teams who have sort of been dominating their respective leagues on parallel tracks or maybe not dominating, but at the top of really, really good conferences. And you can kind of get a battle for supremacy between the SEC and the ACC. I've talked about it a bunch of times on this show. The SEC, I was in Birmingham for the last two years. I got to cover SEC baseball, see the tournament in Hoover, which is right outside Birmingham. That's been the dominant conference. But the ACC's got a chance to change that. Uh, and no better way to do it than knock off the top seed in, in Knoxville with a team that got disrespected in Notre Dame. And like I said, you have three ACC-SEC matchups coming up in the Super Regional this weekend, which will be out of sight. But there were five, I told you, there were 16 national seeds in the tournament. Five of them did not survive the regional round. Uh, the sixth seed was Miami. We talked about the Canes' disappointment. Uh, number seven was Oklahoma State. They lost to Arkansas last night. Uh, 13 seed was Florida. They got knocked off by Oklahoma in Gainesville by one run. OU now moves on to take on Virginia Tech. Uh, the 15 seed was Maryland. The Terps, of course, eliminated Wake Forest and coming back in dramatic style in the eighth inning. They got bumped by UConn, and Georgia Southern got knocked out as well with Notre Dame taking care of business with the sweep. So five of the top 16 national seeds are out. 11 still remain. Four ACC teams are left as we head to the Super Regionals, and it should be an awesome weekend of baseball. We'll discuss that more as the week goes on. And I also mentioned the Cameron Masterman, of Louisville will join us coming up here in about 15 minutes. We'll take phone calls too, and if you're in the mood, number is 844 say ACCN. That's 844 say ACCN. Football's on the brain too. We talked about the uh, Hall of Fame ballot, 19 from the ACC on that list, and you will not believe some of the names that are not in the College Football Hall of Fame. All that coming up next, right here on Packer and Durham. The Packer and Durham Podcast. This is the Packer and Durham Podcast. Packer and Durham on a Tuesday, 844-SAY-ACCN is the number for the program. Uh, we discussed this earlier today on the show. Uh, the College Football Hall of Fame ballots were released by the National Football Foundation. And, uh, you know, there are some restrictions on terms of how this whole process works. I mean, 12,000 people vote on who gets in. So keep that in perspective. But uh, there were 19 former players associated in some shape, way, or form with the Atlantic Coast Conference. And here they are. And, Drew, I'll bring to your attention, when you go through this list, you literally get to every name and go, well, how are they not already in the Hall of Fame? I mean, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, I look at the two Q's guys, which this is, I'm not even joking, Pack, an objective take. How are Dwight Freeney and Marvin Harrison – not in the College Football Hall of Fame yet. Yeah, I don't get it. That's not even that's not even biased based on what they did in the pros, where they were both great in Indianapolis. But 
Julius Peppers, really? I mean, only guy ever to play in a Final Four and a Super Bowl, according to Brian Ives on Twitter. I know, you know, you don't get points for playing in a Final Four for the College Football Hall of Fame, but Ken Dorsey, Ray Lewis? Like, I think the, the Miami guys might be the, the craziest ones so far, and hopefully they make it in this year. Uh, but look at Julius Peppers. This dude was different. You know, for the young bloods at home who don't remember Julius Peppers, I mean, even I remember. I'm only 25 as of yesterday, but I had a Julius Peppers Carolina Panthers jersey. I wore that in fifth grade. That dude was legit, especially at Carolina. He was just a different kind of athlete. Yeah, you go through the list, and again, to see a guy like uh, Luke Keekley, and again, you got to be 10 years removed from your last college game and so forth, so hence he becomes eligible immediately and should be in immediately. But you go through the list. I know you brought up Warwick Dunn uh, a couple hours ago when we addressed this the first time. I- I'm sorry. I- oh, it's 2022. W- what are we doing still talking about Warwick Dunn? Is he, should he be in? He should have been in 10 years after he last played for Florida State. It's when he should have been in. Um but I know there's different rules and regulations for players and coaches. And I brought up Howard Schnellenberger a while ago from a coaching perspective. And by the way, there's three coaches that were tied into the ACC in some shape, way, or form that were also on the ballot, including our very own ACC networks, Mark Rick, and uh, rightfully so. Uh, Larry Coker, Paul Johnson are also on that list uh, and adjoining to the uh, 19 players. And we wish all these guys the very best as they try to get in the College Football Hall of Fame. But I brought up Howard Schnellenberger, and uh, Jim Daves up there at Virginia sent me a note that one of the prerequisites for coaches is that you have had to have won at least 60% of your games. But you know what? When you take over programs that were in the gutter and have to start anew, I mean, that could have somewhat of an effect on your win-loss percentage. I, I think that's one of the dumbest rules I've ever heard. You either could coach or you can. I mean, not everybody gets a chance to take over, you know, a top 10 program and say, oh, guess what? I'm winning at an 80% clip. I mean, a lot of the great coaches have lousy jobs when they get started, and it takes a while to turn that thing around. And the fact that Howard Schnellenberger isn't on this list, um, I think that's sinful, to be honest with you. The guy should be in the Hall of Fame. One part of being a great coach, Pac, and the hardest thing to do as a coach is turning around an abysmal program. Right. So you can't really hold it against a guy if it, the program is in a bad spot before he gets there. How about, here's, here's an idea. Let's see if the 12,000-plus NFF members will want to mull this one over. If you win a national championship, maybe that 60% rule is waived. Maybe if you win the first national championship in your school's history, which he did at Miami. We think about Miami, man. That's like one of the programs in college football. Have they been down for a little bit? Yeah. Are they as good as they were when they had Lewis and Reed and Portis back in the day? No. But to take Miami to its first national championship in 83 and then to see what they were 15, 20 years later under Jimmy Johnson, Howard Schnellenberger deserves a ton of the credit for that. And he wasn't just the coach of Miami. He coached at Louisville, Oklahoma, FAU, where I said the stadium is named after the guy. The 60% rule doesn't seem fair when we're talking about a guy like Howard Schnellenberger, who, like you said, took over programs that weren't in great spots and left a serious legacy at every place he was. You know what they should do with that rule? They should take that rule and tape it to the side of that piece of cheese that Abby won and throw it down the hill for next year, because that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. I mean, why in the world would you put some kind of prerequisite that that's got you either can coach 
and you've proven it, or you can't. I mean, for that to be the reason Howard Schnellenberger uh, can't get in the Hall of Fame is ridiculous. I mean, that's just stupid. I mean, if you've watched college football, if you followed it, the guy should be in, number one. And number two, you can't put up a wall and say, well, you know, he inherited some terrible teams and therefore his record got demolished. Well, please, that, that's just, that, that to me makes no sense whatsoever. It's totally farcical, Pac. It's not like you're going to let a guy in by accident. If a dude wins 30% of his games, he's not making it in anyway. Right. The rule doesn't need to exist. It's not going to be like, whoops, we let Joe Schmo in, and he was 10 and 50 in his time as a college coach. It's not going to, you have 12,000 plus people here. You're not going to let someone in by accident. You're not leaving the back door open for old Howard Schnellenberger to sneak through. Why does that rule even exist if you're not going to put bad coaches in anyway? I mean, think of how exclusive this club is. Think of some of the names we're talking about who aren't in yet. You're not going to put a guy in who doesn't deserve to be there in the first place. Here's the other thing, too. And, again, it's not my organization, so it's easy for me to you know throw a, a rotten egg at the door here. But um, you got 12,000 people voting. Um, I mean, you mean to tell me if we, don't start, we could start a campaign on this show – uh, go register to vote for the National Football Foundation. And uh, we're going to put Mark Richt in because he works for ACC Network. And we should have a uh, ground roots uh, kind of grassroots campaign. I mean, just think about that. I, I, none of this makes any sense to me. That, hey, you know what? You should have a blue ribbon committee that determines, hey, you know what? I watch football. I keep up with it. My reputation's at stake. I think we should be able to put uh, the right people in place here. And, again, we threw that a whole list of just ACC players that aren't in, the turn, aren't in the Hall of Fame yet, you're like, well, please, how is it possible work done is sitting on the couch and he played uh, back in the 90s at Florida State and he's not in the College Football Hall of Fame? That makes zero sense. Zero. I'm trying to register for the NFF right now, Pac. I Googled NFF registration. Yeah. Uh, first thing that came up was the Nigeria Football Federation. <laughs> so that's not right. Let's see if we can find... The National Football Foundation. My bad. I'll, I'll keep working on this, and we'll see. We've got about 35 minutes left in the show. Let's see if by the top of the hour I can register to be a voter for the College Football Hall of Fame. Uh, if you get on board and you're now 12,001, I, I think we should do a grassroots campaign <laughs> to, to get our folks into the College Football play, uh, Hall of Fame. I, I think it's a no-brainer. But, again, it's their organization. They do a great job. And for folks who've ever been to the event in New York, it is first class and big time great. But, to, man, you go through some of these names, you're like, how in the world are they not already in? So it is what it is. Uh, social media jumped on this. Uh, we threw that out there yesterday for everybody heading into this morning's show. Uh, here are some of the responses uh, from the folks uh, out watching and listening. Uh, James Ratchin says, uh, for North Carolina, I was thinking about Kelvin Bryant or Mike Voigt uh, or Brian Blados or someone from the great teams in the 30s. But really, it's got to be Chris Hamburger. Now, I do know that there's another restriction with all this stuff that you've got to be uh, playing within a 50-year period. So we're going back to, what, 1972. Uh, but those names, Kelvin Bryant, Mike Voigt now, uh, those are some big names. Brian Blados was a great lineman too. So the, all of those are big-time names. But like I said, if guys like you know Ray Lewis and Warwick Dunn aren't in – what do you think is going to happen to Kelvin Bryant and Mike Voigt? Let that marinate a second. <laughs> I mean, seriously. I think they, they've they gone by the wayside with their chances in the NFF. Uh, but 
The Hamburglar. Uh, our man James Gilbert also did tweet a photo at us of Chris Hamburger taking a smoke break on the sidelines in a game against Wake Forest in 1964. The times they have a changed, everybody. Yeah, I, I don't think the smokes are in play. Uh, nobody's vaping on the <laughs> sideline yet in any shape, way, or form. All right, let's get some more of these. Uh, War Daddy says, Mickey Andrews. We're going to go defensive coordinator. Good call. Uh, you could go, I mean, there's so many great DCs you could go there. But I know, again, there's a prerequisite of what they allow and so forth. With it. So it can't just be anybody you throw up against the wall and off you go. But, man, Mickey Andrews, uh, institution, legendary coach under Bobby Bowden at Florida State. Bud Foster, another great example here. Uh, this, this is home uh, B-Bird. Uh, but Bud Foster was sensational as well. I mean, kind of a, a modern day, if you will, uh, with what Mickey Andrews was able to accomplish at Florida State. Two great, brilliant coaches. Brilliant. I love it. I think that's a great comp. Yeah, we don't, again, know all the uh, criteria for being selected here, but you're talking about the right-hand man for two legendary ACC coaches and Bobby Bowden and Frank Beamer. Uh, if DCs and only DCs could make it, Andrews and Foster are two great candidates. And how about this from Robert? Troy Noons, the infamous former Syracuse quarterback, Slash magician. Oh, yeah. Get on the blogosphere, baby. Troy Noons might not be in the College Football Hall of Fame, but he lives in the hearts and minds of Syracuse fans everywhere. With the blog, Troy Noons is an absolute magician. So I'm sensing that if you finally get in and become voter number 12,001, this is your first (laughs) go-to here? Troy's going to get the nod? Is Is that what you're telling me? I'm going to see if I can petition to get my man Eric Dungy in the College Football Hall of Fame early. That's my guy. Starter at QB for the Cuse all four years I was in college. I love Eric Dungy. I'll tell you what, I sense that uh, Syracuse is going to put like 15 dudes in the uh, College Football Hall of Fame (laughs) if you are able to pull this thing off one way or the other. Uh, Again, if you want to call in with this, you can. We'll do more social media on this front with the College Football Hall of Fame. But the ballots are out. And again, congratulations uh, to the 19 players that have some type of, uh, of tie to the ACC and, of course, the three coaches we mentioned our very own ACC Network's Mark Richt on that list. And, of course, Coach did a great job at Georgia. His time at Miami as well and so forth. So all that's coming your way. Uh, we'll take phone calls, like I said, if you're in the mood to talk about the baseball from yesterday. Numbers 844-SAY-ACCM. But when we return, Cameron Master, he went yard in the eighth yesterday as Louisville rallied past Michigan to punch their ticket to get to the Super Regional. We'll see what's going on with Cameron. They get ready for Texas A&M this weekend. Should be a great series. All that coming up next. Packer and Durham. Got Drew Carter filling in for West. You guys on ACC Network. Packer and Durham. Here's Mark Packer and West Durham. Packer and Durham. It's a Tuesday. Super Regionals are set. Four ACC teams are moving on. That includes Louisville. Compliments of a crazy 11-9 comeback win against Michigan yesterday. And uh, joining us now, Cameron Masterman, who is part of that four-run eighth inning, joins us. And there he is. Cameron, first of all, congratulations, man. That was a crazy game yesterday. Yes, sir. Thank you for uh, the congratulations. But, yeah, it was pretty crazy. Um, I'm glad we came out on top. Uh, it was definitely a memorable game for every single one in the dugout. 
Yeah, no doubt. You, you know, you jump out with the seven spot in the first sitting. You're thinking, all right, man, we got him right where we want. We just put 20 on him the day before. We got a seven spot in the first inning. Gave Michigan a lot of credit, though, coming back, right? That's a good baseball team you beat. Oh, yeah, they, they got a really good ball club over there. Uh, you know, great arms, um, you know, talented hitters. Um, you know, they're very tough. You know, they, they showed their grit coming back you know, from that seven spot in the first inning. Um, yeah, they, they just they came out swinging after that rain delay, and, uh, you know, they gave us a run for our money. Well, Cam, walk us through that rain delay a little bit because it's part of the story. We're talking about you know, if that game is a novel, that's a chapter, the rain delay. So how, how do you guys stay busy, and how do you make sure that you come out ready to roll after that long delay? Yeah, for sure. You know, we knew the rain was coming. Uh, we didn't know when it was going to hit, but we knew it was coming. So that's why I wanted to jump out on top early. Um, and during the, during the rain delay, just, you know, guys stay relaxed and, and comfortable, and, and, but, you know, stay focused. Um, you know, we didn't know when the game was going to restart, uh, you know, when the rain was going to pass through. But you know, I thought we did a good job, you know, going down the locker room and staying focused. Um, you know, unfortunately, we, we did uh, go a couple of runs there in the middle section of the game. But uh, I thought we did a good job of answering back late. And um, I'm just glad that, you know, we, we showed our toughness and our grit. By the way, the, the two-round blast in the eighth, the, the second it leaves your bat, you know that thing's gone, don't you? I mean, you, you, just, you, you just watch it. He was like, man, forget it. That thing's going <laughs> to land in my backyard. That was a bomb. Yeah, I, uh, I definitely know I got all that one. Um, you know, I honestly, I just went numb. All I remember doing is sticking my hands up and then looking at the guys in the dugout. Um, There's just, you know, one of those swings where you just know it's gone off the bat. Well, Cam, you got to be careful because, you know, if you do that again, I think the home plate umpire might start pushing you, pushing you down the first baseline. I don't know if you saw that in the Greenville Regional with East Carolina, but you had dudes going full-on bat flip, and for some reason the home plate umpire decided to give one of them a little encouragement down the first baseline. Do you see that? Yeah, I did see that. Um, you know, I've seen it happen in the past, but uh, it's just one of those things, you know, every umpire is different. Um you know, credits to that kid from Eastern Carolina. You know, that was that was a nice little home run he hit, a nice little pimp job. But, uh, you know, I, they are what they are. I, I think if you hit a ball that far, you can kind of show off a little bit, but in a little bit of a respectful manner. You know, we kidded around about the fact that you guys scored all 11 runs yesterday with two out. You've played a lot of baseball in your life. I mean, that key, two out hits, always important in any game. But I don't remember ever seeing a number like that before. Eleven runs all with two out. That's insane. Yeah, you know, that's that is insane. Um, you know, the first game against Michigan in the regional, we we struggled with two outs. And uh, you know, that's something that offensively we preached, you know, the next couple of days, uh, is getting those big time hits, you know, with two outs, and that's how you win ball games, you know. You gotta get off the field defensively, but offensively, you know, you gotta make them pay for, you know, every single extra out that they give you and you know, Coach Mack always preaches when there's two outs in, there's 33% of the ending left. And, uh, you know, a lot can happen in that 33%. Lately, Cam, analytics have tried to tell us that clutch hitting isn't a thing, right? It, it's kind of just random. If you put guys on base, eventually you'll, you'll score runs. But as a guy who's up there and on a team that is clutch hitting so well right now, why do you think you guys are so good in those situations? Yeah, you know, hitting is just contagious. Um, you know, I think the biggest thing is we just have tr full trust in every single one that comes up to play. You know, we, we believe, um, 
you know, it just we're just one big family, and it doesn't matter who's going up there. It could be, you know, somebody in the starting nine or someone coming off the bench, or you know, even a pitcher can go up there, and we'll have full trust in them, you know, to get the job done. And uh, I think that's just what's special about this group is, like I said, we're just one big family, and you know, we really just are enjoying every single moment of this ride, and you know, just want to keep it going. Coach Max built a great baseball program at Louisville. Uh, what is it about playing for him, Cam, that, that makes it so special? You know, he, he's just, you know, a great motivator, and a, a great teacher of the game. Um, you know, he, he does a lot on the field, but also off the field. You know, he, he makes us, he lets us grow, you know, as individuals. Um, you know, for myself, you know, I feel like I've grown exponentially, you know, mentally, physically. Uh, um, you know, he's just a great, a great leader. And, you know, I mean, I can't even put into words what, what he does for this program and what he means for the city of Louisville. What was his message to you guys when Michigan came all the way back and took the lead 9-7? How did he keep you guys calm? He just said believe, you know, have faith in our faith. Um, you know, he, he he has full trust in us. You know, he, he told us this is the last time he's going to pull us together. I think it was, you know, start the seventh inning. Um, you know, going back to the fall, he was, he was preaching all fall that to win games, you have to win the last three innings of the game, the last segment. And, you know, we did that all season long. And, uh, you know, it's funny how things work. You know, you preach something all fall in, in spring training, and here we are, you know, backs against the wall, that final game of the season potentially. And we're in those last three segments, or last three innings is the final segment of the game. I tell you what I saw. I saw, I read his lips. He said, hey, Masterman, you're going to go yard on your last at bat or what? That's what he said. <laughs> yeah, you know, he, uh, I wish he would say something like that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, he just needs to tell me to stay simple. You know, trust my ability. Don't try and do too much. Um, you know, hit, keep the ball off the L screen. You know, work the middle. So, did you? By the way, did you give that some thought coming up to the plate? Maybe the last go round, and what was at stake? I mean, you couldn't have set a better case scenario, I and mean, it was a perfect setting. Yeah. Um, you know, I definitely. You know, and and then when I was out on defense, you know, I was thinking about different situations, different scenarios. Um, you know, I'm a senior and. You know, I didn't. I didn't want the the road to end here. Um, even for all the seniors on the team, like it was, it was a really special moment, and uh, I think it's just incredible that you know I was up there to the bat. Um, but like I said, you know, it could have been anybody, and I would have been just as happy, just as excited, probably even more excited that if it was somebody else that did it. Um, but it was just a surreal moment. I'm just glad that you know we got to pull through and get that W for the guys. And the family vibe you guys have at Louisville is really cool. Earlier in the show, we had Lance Taylor, the new offensive coordinator for the football team on, and he gave you guys a mm -hmm. shout-out. So that was pretty neat. But now it's off to College Station. You guys have a super regional to go win here against a really good A&M team, the number five overall seed. What can we expect? What's the schedule looking like as you guys head to that one? Uh, you know, we're going back right back to work today. Um, you know, we're taking it day by day. Um, but yeah, you know, Texas A&M, they got a really good ball club. Um, that's going to be a great environment to play in. Um, you know, you're going to expect a you know, gritty Louisville team going down there. One that's sticking together, that's had their backs against the wall, and we got nothing to lose. Let's just go out there and play our game. And, you know, we respect Texas A&M. Um, we're just going to go out there and, and have some fun. By the way, I've always found that baseball families around the country, it's kind of a tight group. Everybody kind of knows everybody. It's kind of an interesting dynamic. Uh, do you have any relationships with A&M? What do you know about the Aggies? 
you know, I, I actually don't know anyone personally on Texas A&M. Um, you know, I've, I've been watching a couple of their games all season long. You know, they, they got a really good ball club. Um, I'm excited to see how they play in that environment. And um, it's just going to be a really fun time, fun weekend. Well, you're one of the teams carrying the flag for the ACC and our network here, Cam. We got an ACC-SEC series. We, we've been talking about this all spring. What's the best conference in college baseball? Uh, why is it the ACC in your estimation? You know, I think top to bottom, uh, I think every team is explosive. I think every team, you know, brings something different to the table that, you know, that many teams don't really get to see uh, from different conferences. Um, you know, the ACC this year, it was a bloodbath. You know, anyone could beat anyone at any given time. Um, I think it's showing in the postseason, too. You know, all these ACC teams, you know, they're they're fighting their hearts out and, and they're advancing. And even for the teams that didn't advance or didn't make the postseason, you know, shout out to those guys. You know, they, they fought all season long. And I think anyone from the conference is deserving to be in the tournament. Um, you know, I think that anyone would have had success, um, you know, for the last couple of teams that are in it. You know, best of luck. You know, I hope to see you guys in, in Omaha. And, uh, you know, maybe we can have a, a little round two of the AC tournament out there. I like the sound of that. By the way, I've mentioned this before on radio and on horse today. Uh, the experience of Omaha is, is something every player, coach, fan should experience. And even if you're not a baseball fan, you could go out there and kind of fall in love with the job Omaha does. But if you love the game, um, I, I can't think of a better place than going to Omaha, Nebraska for the College World Series. There is really something magical about those couple weeks in June, isn't it? Yeah, that place is electric. You know, I was fortunate enough to be on that 2019 uh, team that went over to Omaha. And, you know, I, I can't even put into words still to this day how, how fun that was and how electric the atmosphere was. And, you know, the fans come from all across the country. and They might not be supporting you, but they're there for, for the love of the game. And that's just so exciting, you know. And it's fun taking the show on the road and showing off, you know, on, on the big stage what, what you're all about. And it's just, a, honestly, it's just, it's just an amazing, amazing ballpark, amazing, amazing city. And, you know, I definitely want to make my way back there. Yeah, no doubt. Well, we wish you the very best. Before we let you go, though, uh, our traditional question, since you're making your debut with us, since you've been at the University of Louisville, uh, Cameron, what's been your hardest class? My hardest class? Um, oh, boy. Um, probably, I don't know, I'm in grad school now, so honestly, probably these classes are pretty tough. I would probably just say something within the realm of management or something. I don't know. <laughs> I, I know this, but you've been managing that hanging curveball, my man. Keep on hitting that thing hard, all right? <laughs> right. We'll be rooting for you this weekend. <laughs> Appreciate it. You Appreciate got it. it. Thank you all for having me. Safe travels, man. Rock and roll. Hope, hope awesome. to see Thank you in you. Omaha. It'll be beautiful. You got it. Take care of yourself. Yes, there sir. it is. Louisville, big yes, winner sir. yesterday. Knocks off Michigan. 11-9. Four runs in the eighth. Cameron Masterman goes yard. You just saw the highlight. Louisville punches their ticket. So does North Carolina. They join Virginia Tech and Notre Dame. So that's what's coming up. Uh, we got one more segment to go. But before we get going, though, I got to tell you, coming up this week, guess what? All ACC. You got it. Friday night, 11 p.m. You want to get ready for the Super Regionals? They've got you covered. Friday night, they're going to break down all the action of the weekend. It's coming, 11 p.m. Friday. That's all ACC right here on ACC Network. All right, when we come back, we got more stuff for you. Of course we do. That's what we do. 
changing the song. Did you hear this story? What's going on in South Bend? Uh, if you're not, guess what? We'll break it down for you when we return. Drew Carter filling in for Wes, Packer and Durham, right here on ACC Network. The Packer and Durham Podcast. This is the Packer and Durham Podcast. I wanted to be a part of this tradition. I wanted that pressure and those expectations every single day. I came here because I wanted to win a national championship. Pinto has scored again. We just believed that we wouldn't lose. The UNC women's soccer team has 22 national championships. The team with the next most has three. When we stepped on that field, we wanted to rip people's heads off. I didn't care if they thought, you know, I was too competitive. That's just what I learned at Carolina. We never took the opportunity to put on that jersey for granted. This is the most overlooked dynasty in all of sports. Mm, Incredible numbers. Those are some crazy numbers. Almost sounds and looks like a typo. Check that out. Huh? That's crazy. That's next <laughs> and, Wednesday. And by the way, Pack, Mia Ham, Mia Ham, absolute baller. One of the most baller athletes in ACC history. I've got a request for my favorite store in Chapel Hill, Johnny T-shirt. Next time I'm down there, I want to see a Mia Ham jersey in a men's large. Didn't find it last time. I have patronized that store for years since I was in school in the ACC. I'd like a Mia Ham jersey next time I'm down there. All my right. request. All right. That's the, I mean, that's the least we should be able to pull off for you, right? I mean, you know, after, <laughs> after kind of a belated birthday celebration gift, I mean, that's uh, coming your way, right? Yes. By the, by the way, uh, yes. while I was in Italy, uh, you and Dana uh, co-hosted. You, in fact, have done the only Packer and Durham show without either me or Wes. And normally one of us is here for the show. It's the only time ever in the history of the program. Did everything go okay with the, the bagel debate and everything else with you two? Because I've not followed up with you <laughs> since that. It was great. Everything went really smoothly. Actually, Pack, it went better than the start of today's show where I couldn't get connected with the technology. Uh, Dana and I were both connected for the full three hours. We had an awesome time on the millennial slash Gen Z edition. We talked about Jack Harlow. Uh, I think we talked about TikToks. We, we brought the youth movement. So, yeah, it was great to make history. I think that should be enough to get me in the College Football Hall of Fame, right? Yeah, right. Uh, making history like that on Packer and Durham. Yeah, I, I think that should probably put you right over the top on all that stuff. <laughs> uh, by the way, we've got a ton of specials coming your way. We mentioned the Title IX deal coming up next Wednesday. Uh, the, actually, it's two Wednesdays, the 23rd, which would be great. Uh, but that North Carolina women's soccer program, I mean, seriously, what Anson's been able to accomplish there, uh, you look at the numbers, and it's almost like, oh, what was that one again? Excuse me? Uh, and it's kind of <laughs> we- weird to have a title like Hidden Dynasty when you've been so good for so long that you go, what- what's hidden about it? I mean, goodness gracious, it's been a, a standard by which everybody's been kind of chasing. And, of course, Florida State's had a great run, too, in women's soccer uh, from a national perspective, not to mention here in the ACC as well. But North Carolina's numbers are through the roof. Good. Crazy good. Yeah, I remember when I was in Syracuse and I asked uh, the voice of the orange, Matt Park, about Anson Dorrance. I had never heard of him before. 
was like, oh, Carolina's women's soccer coach, has he been there for a while? And Park was like, um, yeah, uh, why don't you Google Anson Dorrance? Maybe the greatest coach in the history of the ACC, 20-plus national championships. They've won, like, half the national championships that have ever been contested in that sport. And he's still at the top of his game, and he's already got the field named after him. Yeah, pretty pretty impressive, needless to say. Uh, by the way, we've got to do a shout-out today uh, to Lonnie Alameda, who's been on this show God knows how many times, and another brilliant coach, won a national championship in softball, Florida State. She got a contract extension so uh, good for Lonnie, and again, we've loved having her on the show. She's a she's a blast to talk to. I know she was a little disappointed uh, with the performance in the postseason because we expected Florida State to get out to Oklahoma City, but that didn't happen. But nevertheless, uh, she's done a great job, and good for Florida State for working out the deal and getting that deal signed long term. So she's good to go through 2029, but uh, she is first class and another great, great coach in this league one of the real cool people in the business and when you get to talk to the the coaches before you call a game she is always a treat uh so congrats to coach a and they'll be back in oklahoma city before you know it i'm sure yep no doubt uh a kind of a sidebar story uh, one that we're just going to throw on you notre dame uh has been in the news in the last week or so and again we've been talking a lot about this title nine because we got the 50 year anniversary coming up and the celebrations and the specials that we're going to have here on acc network but they're going to update the Notre Dame Victory Song lyrics to include the word daughters. Do you have a comment on this one, Drew? Because in this day and age, listen, nothing surprises me anymore. When it comes, we had a thing with the University of Texas a couple of years ago with this song they were going to band one going to play, and now Notre Dame's going to change the lyrics to the Notre Dame Victory March. They've been playing this at athletic events since 1919. Now, I'm not stuttering. That's 1919. So Notre Dame has decided because in honor of the 50-year anniversary, they're going to change the lyrics. You good with that? No problem with it. Uh, and it's not going to change the tune at all, I don't think. It's going from while her loyal sons are marching onward to victory to while her loyal sons and daughters march on to victory. You can hear it now at Notre Dame Stadium. I think it'll sound exactly the same. I do have to get a new cup because I've got a Notre Dame cup with the fight song lyrics on the side. Guys so we're going to have to update that. But that thing's out. No issue. I mean, no issue. I mean, I can just write it in there. A Sharpie. I got a green Sharpie. No, don't do that. You need a new cup anyhow. I mean, you can just throw that one. <laughs> you put that on eBay. Maybe some old timers will sit there and pay some serious coin for something like that. I have no earthly idea. You know, in this day and age, if that's what makes you happy, man, go for it. You know, it's not against the law. Knock yourself out. There's a celebration of the 50-year anniversary of Title IX, which is incredibly important, and that's been well-documented. Like I said, we've got a ton of series coming up your way here on ACC Network, but if that's what Notre Dame wants to do, go for it. I mean, it's your school. It's your, it's your fight song. It's your lyrics. Again, 1919, they've been playing that bad boy. If that's what you want, go for it. It's going to bother anybody. If I put that cup on eBay, an anonymous buyer named Pac-Man Bongiorno 19... 19- 70 would come ahead and, and buy that thing oh yeah <laughs> you want I am, a pack i can no, bubble wrap it and ship it <laughs> no i am uh, i am totally officially out of cash uh after the last two weeks there, there's nothing <laughs> left in the kitty even if i wanted it i couldn't afford it it's done and you know what put me over the top and i told this story a couple weeks ago uh with golden goose shoes and um 
when I took the girls to uh, Amsterdam and Barcelona a couple years ago, I, I was introduced uh, rudely to Golden Goose shoes and how expensive they were. And not, and I just thought they were some dirty, ugly-looking sneakers. And next thing you know, I'm buying a couple, <laughs> and I couldn't believe what I paid for. But nevertheless, so while we were walking around in Florence, uh, Italy, last week, the girls, of course, found the Golden Goose store in Florence. And I learned my lesson from a couple years ago, thinking, ah, oh, you're not going to get me this time. So we walked in, <laughs> and uh, Emerson, our youngest, saw a pair that she liked. And I was like, oh, it's going to be a killer. Oh. And uh, they didn't have her size. And so I walked out totally <laughs> confident that, hey, I have dodged the bullet of Golden Goose in Europe. But here was the problem, Drew. By the time we made another stop later in the trip, we got to Capri. And wouldn't you know it, on the tiny little <laughs> island of Capri, there was a shop, there were like 10 no. shops, and there was a Golden Goose <laughs> store. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. There's a Golden Goose store in Capri. <laughs> and we walked in it, and sure enough, they had Emerson's size of the shoe that mm. they didn't have in Florence. So I couldn't get out alive. Golden Goose got me again. So. <laughs> I'm out for the cup. I, I Normally, I would be in to help the economy, but I'm tapped out. All right, we got to get out of here. Always a pleasure, man. Again, happy belated birthday. Great job with all the smart people up in Bristol. Matt Schick is in the basement. It's scheduled to be tomorrow. We'll have a good time. Folks, enjoy your Tuesday. We'll catch you tomorrow right here on ACC Network. Tune into Packer and Durham weekday mornings from 7 to 10 Eastern for the best conversations about everything from the ACC. Find it on the ACC Network, Sirius XM Channel 371 and streaming on the ESPN app.